Welcome to the Monday edition of the Grateful No Matter What podcast. I'm Kyle the Grateful. And on today's episode, I had the pleasure, actually I had the honor to sit down and talk to one of my good friends, Mae Banakai, who is an artist at her core, who has published her poetry in three separate books that give the reader an inside look into her life, an intimate look into her life, ranging from topics about anxiety, depression, heartbreak, owning your story, and the importance of self-love. you all good everything's good i'm good busy but good yeah i know i'm glad we could sit down and do this i know you have a busy life i have a busy life even through everything that's going on we're we're very busy as well um yeah so i'm happy you could you could make it today so i'm glad well thanks for having me yeah i know you kind of don't say you guilted me you didn't guilt me but you're like how come i haven't been on and i was like i totally forgot and then we made it happen um, I'm not gonna lie. Then after that, I was like, "Do I really want to be on?" Yeah, oh God, do. And then you, and then you were like, "We could talk about this, talk about this, talk about this." And I was like, "Awesome!" Like, I love that because I want people to come on here that are enthusiastic to tell their story and whatever that means. You know, like it could mm-hmm. be, it could be whatever it is because I want people to hear different life experiences and and whatnot. And it's interesting. Um, I have there. So your latest book, I have a copy of conversations with my mother, give it a shout out. Um, and Thank I, you. I definitely read parts of it, but then last night I just started to look through the ones that I, uh, that really resonated with me. And I mean, you'll appreciate this and it's not like really, really nice. And the listeners can't see, but like, I have like bookmarked of like the ones that like really stood out that I want to talk about today. So I'm not like flipping through and like trying okay. to like, Oh, hold on. So just, just ones that were like really really uh i don't know that really like hit me you know in the core and and, but before we dive into that just a little bit about your background as a as a poet you know when did you even start writing poetry i started writing poetry um probably five or six years ago Mm -hmm. it started as a way to be able to explain my feelings and my emotions as a person i always Mm -hmm. had a hard time letting people into that side of me yeah or sharing those feelings with anybody. Mm-hmm. I would always picture like the what ifs or what could go wrong, or does that make me feel weak to feel? Mm-hmm. And then someone told me to try and write it out. So I started writing and then I really got into the idea of liking poetry as a form of writing. Um, and since you've read some of my stuff, you can tell it's not your standard prose. It's not a lot of metaphors and similes and imagery. It's digestible for any reader. Yeah, that's the thing. And so recently for me, so I used to, a little background about me for the people that might not know is like, I used to write, you know, I used to rap a little bit. I'm I'm not ashamed of it, but I used to rap. I used to write lyrics. So I never actually, I always thought poetry, and it's interesting that you say that about like the right prose. Like, I don't even know what that means. Like for me, I would always get in my head and be like, poetry has to look like this. You have to sound like this. You have to have like certain, you know, syllables and like kind of a rhythm. And then I would just like F it because like I knew I wanted to write and I felt like I wanted to write, but I felt like I would be judged. And I was like, screw that. I threw it out the window and I just started writing. And maybe to me, I, it's beautiful. Maybe to somebody else, it's not quote unquote, right. But for me, I, I just enjoy it. It's just, it's a good way and a, for me to express myself and how I feel. I don't See, know. someone very close to me once told me that poetry isn't about how you write it. Everybody writes poetry. What it is, is you just have to mm. feel. There isn't a right way to write it. You just have to feel what you write. Yeah. And that's, 
you know, in my head and, and, you know, a lot of things for me, I've talked about it before is like being a perfectionist. I need to have it perfect. Like I need to know, like, you know, how it's supposed to look according to rules. But there are, I mean, in my opinion, there are no rules. Poetry, like you said, poetry is poetry. You know, art is art. It's all subjective. And if you feel like it's helping you, then for lack of a better term, screw everybody else because it's, it's how it's make about making you feel better and make, allowing you to grow and process things, you know? That and your writing will always evolve as you do. So I started with writing and then I went into performing and then trying to get back into the books after performing the way you speak something and the way you write it are two different ways. Yeah. Like how do you, so you, you have to Yeah, you have to kind of learn that. how to break it up in that aspect. Yeah. So how did you go from wanting to write? Well, this will, I, I had another question, but how did you go from like writing and then being like, I want to, at least in the public form as a, as on stage, like to get to the place where you're like, I want to, share this with people because obviously some of your stuff is probably very intimate or very well that wasn't easy no um, I bet. the first time I performed I I shook like you could see me in the back of the room shaking yeah um, my yeah. words came out almost like you would have thought my voice was breaking and I was gonna mm. cry and that wasn't the situation I was just so nervous um, I started writing as a way to learn how to express my feelings and my emotions better but I never thought about publishing mm-hmm and then I got into performing because I had gone through a pretty a pretty big rough patch years ago. And I couldn't articulate to people what I was feeling or why it was getting so hard for me to heal through what I was going through. Mm-hmm. And then I ended up, I didn't perform until I got to California. Um, fun fact about me, because nobody knows me, is I left <laughs> New York, moved to California, lived there for two years, came back. Now I've been here for two years. Um, I don't even know you that I went to this open mic. Yeah. I was looking for things to do. And I was like, I'm going to go to an open mic. I like poetry. I like hearing other people's poetry. So Mm -hmm. I showed up to this random open mic on a Friday night. I had messaged the Instagram group and was like, can anybody come? Like, what's the, what's the cost at the door? Blah, 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 blah. And after that first time, they actually became like a family community place for me. So it was really cool. You build community that way. I love it world but um I went and I wasn't planning on performing and I was meeting all these different people and the person that went with me was like you should go up there like you're just as good and I was like no 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 no." (laughs) so then I tried and she was like just try it so I went up and it was really shaky really uneasy and nervous and when I was done the person who hosted and owned the open mic he was like that was really good your work's good and I was like thanks And he was like, it gets easier over time. But I also realized from doing my first piece, and it wasn't just the applaud or the recognition from everyone in the crowd or people that could relate to what I read. And I had read a piece. It was called, um, I think it was called New York. And it was just about leaving and coming. Mm -hmm. I realized that when I left that night, something about me felt a little bit better. So I found a healing in performing poetry. And I found a community in that and Mm -hmm. a strength of all people from different walks of life coming together and just finding a home in their art. And it became a beautiful experience to me. So I created my lifestyle around spoken word poetry. And I made like a whole whole life that way. And then as I was performing all the time, I turned into publishing books because a lot of a lot of people that would see me perform would come up and say you know that piece is so inspiring or i could relate to that piece or can you can you give me that piece my friend would really like benefit from this right now 
because I do share a lot of intimate raw mm-hmm. poems and I do let my life be, I have it written in a poem somewhere that my life is an open book policy mm-hmm. because I believe that if someone can find healing from my experience, yeah. then that's something you should share. And that is the point of art to give it away. So I started writing books and publishing the books because I wanted people that were in the process of healing and felt like they were alone in the world mm-hmm. or all these topics were told in society that we shouldn't talk about, that you're not alone. Somebody's gone through it too. And you can talk about it and it's okay. Yeah, so I a- wanted to inspire women to heal. Yeah. And that's a big, and I mean, yeah. not just women. No, it's, that's a, that's a huge step. Cause going into the public form, as far as the stage work is one thing, someone hears it and they're like, I mean, unless they're recording you, they're not going to be able to read that poem again. So to actually put it on, into, onto a book, into a book and give it to the masses, that's another level of vulnerability and, and putting yourself out there because, you know, it's not just fleeting. People can actually pick up a book every day or whatever and start to read it. And that's, that shows a lot of strength. I I'm, I'm processing that same thing for me in my life, as far as eventually maybe writing a book. Someone told me I should write a book. I was like, I don't even know where to start. And then even maybe even like poetry, but it's not, for me, it's not out of the question. You know, it's not out of, I, maybe I will, but to put yourself out there is extremely courageous, you know? To just, the first book was extremely hard. What I was couldn't, the first book called I couldn't push, the first book is called West Street. Okay. The second book is called Beautifully Redeemed. And my most recent one is Conversations with My Mother. Mm. Um, but that one was extremely hard. I remember to do the publishing. I had my roommate at the time. I was like, you have to, you have to do the final piece. I can't do it. I'm going to back out. I can't do this. The world's going to read things. And then I realized I had a moment and I think you kind of get this to this spot when you go through life experiences and mature. But I had a moment where I was like, people's opinions of me are not my business. And if I can help somebody in their healing journey or helps one person while 10 people judge me, I helped one person. Yeah. And that was what mattered to me more. And that's how I got comfortable with publishing the things I publish. Yeah. Because the way someone looks at you, that's a reflection of them, not you. You've lived the life you've lived and you should own your story. It's your story. Yeah. That's, you're saying that's so many good things. It's so correct. I mean, you know, they say that saying, you know, people that judge don't matter, people that matter don't judge, but it's true. Like, you can't help what else, what someone else is going to say about you. You know, that's literally mm-hmm. them. Like you have no control over it. And a lot of people take, put stock into that, you know, and no fault of their own. You know, everybody's going through their own stuff. And eventually you hope they realize that, you know, what someone says about you doesn't mean anything because it's not you. And like you said, a hundred percent correct. It's usually a more of a reflection of them. I just did a, I think I did a podcast, uh, like two podcasts ago. I said, are you projecting or are you accepting and correcting? Cause like you're either like projecting something on someone else by saying it, you know, because it's something that mm-hmm. you have to deal with, or you're going to accept the fact that you have something wrong with you or something you need to fix and correct it. So, yeah, I mean, I, I, I agree with that wholeheartedly. I would rather help one person have a hundred people look at me some way because you possibly saved one person's life, you know, and that's the important part. And in all honesty, I know that my work has done that. I had somebody call me once they were on the brink of suicide and they were like, your book saved my life. And I had someone else who called me about her friend and hearing those stories few and far between, that means so much more to me than someone saying, how could you, how could you publish a poem about whatever? Because that poem just saved somebody's life. Yeah. I mean, have you written, that's a big deal. I mean, have you written, have you written poems about like an ex and they know it's about them? I've written poems about people (laughs) and they know they're about them. 
Um, I had somebody stop dating me once because <laughs> they were afraid I would write a poem about them. You're like the Taylor Swift of poetry, right? <laughs> I never, oh God, you just no. called me Taylor Swift. I mean, oh. <laughs> um, but um, really I did have though. somebody stop seeing me because of my poems. They were afraid I would write one about them. And I was like, I would never... I don't, I don't just, no one knows who I write about. So if yeah. you read it and you're like, that's about me, you're the only person that probably knows it's about yeah. you. Unless what you did was a very big public thing. Correct. And then it's like, yeah. everyone already knew already. Yeah. And other times it's like, you should be honored that I wrote a very vulnerable, intimate piece. I don't write about everybody. Exactly. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I get that. But it seems like some people would feel some some type of way, but that's once again, like a them thing. And it, it's an experience in your life, regardless if it's about somebody or about yourself and you want to get it out, then that's just how it's going to be. It's not, some people just get, mm -hmm. are very, I guess, self-centered or egotistical. And, and like, I've, I've had people read my books and think, and this is important with poetry. So I want to point this out for anybody who is a writer and is afraid to write or share certain things. There are a lot of people that read pieces and they think you're still caught up in that scenario that happened or on that mm. person, or you're still healing from this. And that's not the case with writing. Just because you wrote something at a moment in time and you want to share it months later, doesn't mean that's where you're at right now. Yeah. And that's how I've learned to tell the difference between people who know me as a poet and people who know me as May. I mean, are those two totally different people? No, they're the same woman. They're the same person. But um, when people just know you for your poetry, they think oh, that they yeah. know your life. Yeah. Whereas people who know you as May, then they they know me as May. Yeah, because there's more. And that's very important. Because I've watched people not want to perform pieces because they're afraid, well, what if the crowd thinks this is still where I'm at in my life? And I'm like, well, first of all, it doesn't matter what the crowd thinks. Yeah. But second of all, you wrote it. At some point, you experienced it and you felt it and you should share it. And if somebody thinks that you are that poem, then they don't know you. Exactly. And that's once again, circling back to somebody judging you just off of something that they're dealing with and, and instead of honoring it. And then you're putting it out there just so you can share with the masses because it might help one person. Yeah. Mm -hmm. so I, I, I really enjoy that. I really, I really enjoy it. And I'm, I, to be honest, after, after we, we met and whatnot, and you were telling me about the poetry that and some not so recent events, but you know, just kind of growing and evolving is kind of how I started getting into poetry. Cause I, I don't know any poet, like people in my life don't write poetry. Most of the people that I know don't write poetry. You're really like the first, my, one of my friends that's a poet. So, Thank you. Well, yeah, like, I, I mean, not saying, I don't know, maybe I never asked people, but like someone that actually, you know, a chunk of their life is devoted to poetry and they've been, you know, their life has been formed and shaped by poetry. I used to always get uncomfortable when people would call me a poet. But you are. Um, yeah. And then it was, it was something, cause I would think, no, like, Shakespeare or all these big names or I don't know if you know Rudy Francisco I actually know him yeah. not to shout him out in the in the podcast but he's a he's an international poet so most people know him and in my head mm. I'm like you can't I'm not a poet because I'm not these poets and then I was actually walking down the street one day in California and someone yelled hey poet and I turned around I was like I have a name it's May and then I started getting comfortable with actually being called a poet it's yeah, funny. it's, it's all relative to, it's, it's all relative, you know, and I thought that too, like way back in the day when, I mean, I wouldn't say I called myself a rapper, but you know, I used to write and rap and record, but I wasn't making any money off it. So I was like, 
can I call myself a rapper? But at the time, like I was rapping, I was recording. I did have some goals in mind of me, like getting produced and doing some things. So yeah, I considered myself a rapper, but then I would look at it and be like, well, you know, this person's a rapper, rapper, this person's a rapper. And then for me, it's just kind of a way to, you know, devalue yourself and what you're doing and your art, because you feel like just because you're not this, then you can't call yourself that. And it's for me, as you get more comfortable, it, as you get more comfortable in who you are and what you represent in life, you start to accept the titles that you're given. Yeah. And comfortable comes with that whole self-worth and self-esteem. And at that time in my life, I didn't have a lot of self-esteem and self-worth. And it was like very much, you know, external validation. And I was trying to, you know, just, I don't know. I don't know what I was doing, to be honest, but it was, I didn't look at myself as that because I wasn't making money. I wasn't really doing anything with it, but, but yeah, you're a poet. That's for sure. Um, so this book. You know, that's also that you bring up like wow. self-worth, self-respect. I started writing like five, six years ago. And I have noticed over time that poetry is also an outlet for me where I've been able to get more comfortable in myself authentically. And then in my day to day, I'm able to articulate my opinions and who I am and stand up for myself better. And it's that same it's that same concept of learning to be comfortable with your feelings and your emotions, mm, as well as you yeah. start to be comfortable with yourself when you write, because when you write, you can't help but be intimate no matter what you're writing about. And I think that it's, it's a good way for people to learn how to work on their self-worth and their self-respect and who they are and love themselves. Well, yeah. Cause if you're writing and you're, you're being honest and you're being like brutally raw with yourself and the words that you put down, there's no escaping it once it's down on paper because you're looking at it. It's like staring you in the face. It's no longer an abstract thought or like a, uh, you know, just something in your mind swirling around. When you put it down and you look at it, you're like, okay, like I'm going to deal with this, but good or bad or indifferent, you're going to deal with it because it's right there in front of you and you'll be able mm -hmm. to work through it. That's, that's one way for me, at least, um, that I looked at it was uh, a way towards acceptance and being aware. Like I could be aware of it, but then when I wrote it down in paper and I looked at it, then it's starting to help me accept the fact that you know, this is what I want to work on or celebrating this because not all my poetry is like sad, you know, not all of it's like, you know, you know, I don't know, just like very emotional on the one, one extreme. It's, I, I write poetry about celebrating things and about celebrating my life, about celebrating, you know, just good things. It doesn't always have to be, you know, like sad. And, and Well, that's a, that's something that's a misconception too with people is a lot of people believe that poetry is, is deep all the time or is always heavy or has yeah. to have some sort of mm -hmm. negative emotion attached to it. And it doesn't, I have a poem that's simply about my curly hair that I can't control. I remember that. That's in this how, one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And how that kind of turns into the, my curls are like my life because you learn to accept mm -hmm. what you can't control or happiness. There's a poem in my second book that's called when happiness arrives. And that moment where you realize like there's all these little moments in life that are happy, but true happiness comes from the inside. You can write about anything, mm -hmm. anything on anything in any aspect that you want to. So I think I have a poem where there's a line in it that says, and your poetry should be you. And the line in the piece is, um, these words are my scripture etched in stone to live forever. It's your choice to read them mm -hmm. because you should write for yourself. I like that. That's in, that's in this book, the conversations with my mother, that one or no? That might be, either in that book or that is just a performed piece. <laughs> because, so how did you, going back to this book, how did you come up with this title, Conversations with My Mother? So originally the book was going to be called Coffee Thoughts because There's a lot of you've coffee read the book. So yeah. anyone that knows me knows how I am about coffee. Oh yeah, um, I know, believe me. 
I've seen, I've seen, I've seen May pre-caffeinated and overly caffeinated. I don't, yeah, you haven't seen me in the middle either. No, no. They're always coffee or no coffee. Yeah. Um, so first it was called Coffee Thoughts because also you get a coffee thought with each poem in that book. Mm -hmm. And each coffee thought, quote unquote, that you read, it does connect to that poem. Mm -hmm. um, but then I changed it because I was in the middle of putting all these pieces together and editing the book while finishing writing. And I was designing out the cover and I had something... I design all my covers, by the way. Um, I had something happen in my life and my mom showed up my door, up at my door. And now no matter how old you get, your parents are always your parents. Mm -hmm. And they are always like this guide in some way, whether you have a good parental experience or a bad one, yeah. your parents shape you regardless. And she had showed up at my door to talk to me about something that had like been on my mind. There was mm. something that had happened that week that was really messing with me emotionally. And she just did what my mom always does. And she just dropped a wisdom bombshell. She was just like, boom, there it is. And I was like, I just, thanks for stopping by, ma. Um, and with that, I was looking and I realized that all the coffee thoughts in this book are actually coffee thoughts created from conversations I have had with my mother over the last few years or even longer ago. Mm -hmm. um, there are some pieces that when I'm speaking to the person, maybe what had happened to me that I'm comparing that happened to me seven, eight years ago, maybe, mm -hmm. but I'm remembering that it's relevant today. So not all of these pieces or experiences are recent ones, but I realized that every thought I wrote literally came from some sort of conversation I had with my mother and you've seen my coffee problem. Mm -hmm. That's genetic. So all of these conversations were mainly over coffee. Mm -hmm. uh, so I decided that my mom has been a guiding force the last few years, um, especially in the journey that I've been taking. She's helped me in a lot of ways, get my life on the track that it's on. And it's just a positive, like full journey of love. Yeah. And she's important. And she's been a guiding light for me in the last forever, really. And um, I wanted to acknowledge that. And so I decided I would call it conversations with my mother in her honor. And then I would dedicate it to not just her, but to all moms, mm -hmm. because I think moms are just expected to be moms that raise kids. And yeah. we don't really pay attention to know that's it's a choice to be a decent mom. And you are kind of a superhero. It's not yeah. easy to be a parent. Yeah. So, and so that's where the title came from. I, it, I like that. I mean, I, I mean, obviously it's, I don't want to say it's, self-explanatory obviously conversation with my mother you're pretty much putting it out there but obviously there's a deeper meaning to it it's not just very you know the title just wasn't picked out of thin air and i, I like that and and understanding actually i i guess i didn't think about i'm looking at the book now i guess i didn't think that there's a coffee thought with each one i kind of just kept reading it but now that i look at it i'm like okay yeah it's like poem and then coffee thought so mm -hmm. yeah i didn't yeah. I, I didn't i didn't the funny thing was some people read, cause some of my poems, they get a little bit into taboo areas mm -hmm. and they're just raw and open and yeah. read them and like them or read them and don't, I don't care. And there was somebody who actually asked me like, if these come from your mother, like you and your mom, I said, me and my mom have a very diverse yeah. relationship. I can go to my mom about anything. She's my mom. She's my friend. Yeah, no, that's, and that's something amazing to have in your life. And in recent years for myself. Oh, she was so honored. She shared it all over yeah. social media. She was like, it's titled after me. Go get her book. I was like, oh my God. 
but well yeah she's proud of she's proud of you and I've, I've come to terms with that with like my own family and my own mother as far as the relationship that we've built and the relationship that we have now that's gotten stronger and some of the things that back in the day would kind of I don't say annoy me but it's just because she's like a mother and I don't know how it feels because I don't have any kids as of now and you know she lost her mother at a young age so putting that into perspective, she just wants to be in her children's life as much as possible. And she's happy what we do no matter what. So I've, I've learned to embrace that and not look at it as not as a bad thing, but as like, okay, mom, like pump the brakes, but she's just celebrating, you know, her, her, her children. And it's, and it's, a, it's a beautiful thing because I can go to her about anything too. She's literally one of my best friends. And I, and I, I'm grateful for that because not I can, can, you know, I can say the same for my mom too. And it's funny. I think like when you're a kid, you're like, Oh, this is my mom. Yeah. And then as a teenager, like, oh, parents. And then you kind of like get through that stage and you're mm -hmm. in your early 20s and you're like, oh, like, this is my mom, like the dynamics changed. And then you get past that and you go to your late 20s and then beyond. And you're like, wow, I had one day where I was like, wow, you are like, you are a force to be reckoned with. You are mm -hmm. a storm. You yeah. take every emotion from every person, especially your kids. And you go with it and you fix things and you never ask for anything in return and you just show up. Yes. And in my head, I was like, you, you go above and beyond. And it's that moment that you all, that I think everybody has when they have a good parent in their life where they're just like, wow, you really do just go beyond human limits. And how do you do it? And it's pretty much like the purest example of unconditional love because they don't want anything in return. They're just, they're, they, like you said, they show up, they show up no matter mm -hmm. what. And like, and to be able to, to look at that and to embrace it and to understand it is a great example for me. It's a, it's a, like a, like a role. She's one of my role models, just like my dad is, but for different aspects, but to look at her and what she's done, it's, I, I, I'm, I'm grateful because I have powerful female role models in my life, you know, to be that's able important. to. important. I believe yeah. that's important to have in life. hundred percent. I mean, I, I was and it doesn't have to be your mom. Everybody has no. someone that kind of maybe turns into a mother figure at some yeah. point in their life. Yeah. Because, you know, I'm not trying to be overly masculine men and women both have feminine and masculine energy it's not like you know a, a man is all 100 masculine and i'm okay with the fact that i'm in touch with my feminine qualities just like i am with my masculine qualities and not saying my oh, mom, i agree with that you know not saying my mom just gives me all feminine qualities but she just she's allowed me to nurture those areas that might have been taboo when i was younger they definitely were i was like you can't do this you can't do that because if you do that then you're less of a man it's like no if you embrace those things, you become more of a man, you become more masculine, you become more mm -hmm. of a, yeah, it was, um, See, yeah. I have a poem in my book before conversations with my mother, the book's called beautifully redeemed. And I think the poem is called man up. I can't remember, but oh, yeah. it's actually a poem. And I wrote it about somebody close to me who the piece though was for all men about that concept of hypermasculinity and what yeah. you can and cannot feel and how we're all human. So it's okay to cry. It's okay to feel yeah. it's okay to be that we all have feminine and masculine energy and that society has failed men in a way. And even the concept of having a strong female force or a mother figure, it's important so that you can know that it's okay, that boys will be boys is not, no, it's not acceptable. It's not something that has a place in a healthy life. No. And I, I mean, there's certain aspects of me, of my growing up that were, you know, I don't say tough. My parents did what they could, with what they had. They were raised a certain way. And as I got older, I realized how they were raised and why they raised me that way in some aspects. But 
you know, I was told to, you know, I'll give you something to cry about, like dry up, button up, like, you know, stop crying. And maybe sometimes that was warranted. Other times I, I felt like I wasn't able to express myself. So what did I do? Mm-hmm. Pushed it down. And I did that for many years, pushed it down. And then people know, like I started using drugs to push it down and to escape and to numb myself. And then when I got clean, that's when the, like, that's when everything just came out. I mean, I'm sure you can attest to that. Like everything just came out. I was like a oh yeah waterworks, like everything. And to this day, you know, if I, I get, I could be brought to emotion, good and um, not positive or negative, but like sadness and happiness, like happy tears and sad tears, all of it. Mm-hmm. I'm able and you to- embrace them. Exactly. Like exactly. I live my life in sobriety and I did the same thing. I used to bottle everything in and bottle everything in, or I would cope in negative ways. And you, you do learn to get there kind of the world shapes you, not just your home, mm-hmm. just things always happen to you. And if you're not, if you don't end up in a place where you feel that you can figure them out or you started using or partying at a young age, you just find these different outlets. And then you get to a point where you change your life. And as you said, it all just comes out. Mm-hmm. And then you start to heal yeah. and then you start to build this whole healthy life. And then you start to see people in your life as the beautiful people that they are. Yeah. Well, you, open, you have to get to that point. Yeah. You have to pretty much remove the film from your eyes or love the blinders because some people have been there this whole time and you just didn't see, I mean, I, I had people in front of me my whole life that I just didn't see who they were because I was too blinded by mm-hmm. my own self-will and controlling all of these things, you know, trying to escape and run from things. And then when I got clean, it's, it was, I mean, like the light just shined on so many people and so many of their beautiful qualities and how they tried to help me. But at that time I was just trying to, I was doing, I was doing me. I, I, I was doing what Kyle wanted to do and not what the like God or higher powers will wanted me to do. I was just, I thought I had control of everything. Little did I know I had like little control and I just thought I did because that's what somebody who's, you know, addicted to drugs does. I mean, at least in, in my story. Well, it also becomes that place where you know that that'll show up for you, Mm -hmm. that that's what's there for you. And I always struggled with like being authentic. Like I was afraid to be myself. Mm -hmm. So I would, I would get drunk or whatever, and then I could be made better or I felt like I could fit in better and I wasn't Mm -hmm. being weird or whatnot. And you kind of learn to get to a place where I don't know that like that light shines on all these people and you're like, you know what, this is me. And I got to this place to be me. So even if you don't like the me that you see, like I'm smiling and you become more intuitive than reactive and your, your life just starts to change and you start to see the bigger picture and not just all these little problems that you were afraid of. So with, with these, you know, experiences in your life, you know, going through these things in each of your books, well, I guess mainly the one uh, conversation with your mother, um, conversations with my mother, but your mother, obviously, um, did, have, did you speak about, I mean, I read through, I mean, I, I read through all of it, but then I bookmarked some, but I don't remember them all, but do you talk about, um, your sobriety in any of them or, or, or struggles? You no, know, with... let me see that. Well, cause I don't remember if I do. The one, one of them that stuck out to me was the one you titled called shine. And that's pretty much kind of what you were talking about as far as, uh, you start out saying, be so ferociously you that authentic authenticity radiates from you. And it's just talking about like being you no matter what, you know, like understanding who you are and I guess walking in that and embracing that, you know, not allowing anybody's opinions to waver what you want to do. That piece I actually wrote um, when I was about three months sober. Oh, okay. 
So I, and my mom, bless her soul, she, she helped me get myself together. And, um, and I don't always talk about this part openly with everybody, but I'll share some stuff. So she helped me get myself together. And for a long time, like I deleted social media accounts and I, I shut everybody out to try and figure out how is May going to be who May wants to be. Mm-hmm. Because I also knew that part of that change in my life was that I wasn't happy with myself mm-hmm. and I really needed to learn to love myself. And every time I would get to that place of uncomfortability, I would run to my coping mechanisms because I'm uncomfortable. And I realized that there's healing and uncomfortability. Mm-hmm. And then as I started to get to this place in me, I was like, wow, like I, I'm May. Like there is nobody who is more May than May. And I realized that loving myself is, there's no ego in that. There's no shame in that. There's no vanity, like to love you. So when I wrote this piece, I realized I had all these people coming back into my life slowly. And I watched the ones that stayed and the ones that didn't and who was there. And a lot of people who were in my life and they realized I was going through what I was going through. There were some people that were like, we didn't, really realized that may needed help may never needs help and i was like may's human may need help (laughs) um or other people that were just like but you're you and i wrote the piece off the fact that like if you want to live yourself and live your life in honesty and you want to live your life in love and happiness and all those positive vibes you just need to be you and you need to be so comfortable in being you that nobody rocks that foundation and nothing rocks that foundation So shine was a piece that I wrote um, that is like, you are you, you are a combination, a compilation of the good parts, the bad parts, the mistakes, the fun times, the experiences, every single thing that has happened in your life, good and bad that shaped you is you, it's your story. And it made you, if things went a different way, you wouldn't be you. If that moment didn't happen, you wouldn't be you. If that memory wasn't there, you wouldn't be you. And from the people in your life to the events, like own it be yeah. yourself and shine with that because that's your light yeah and it's funny you kind of said it that way because another poem that i was looking at was called roots and at the end of that one um is it says it says um i read once that selfish love is not selfish and owning your story is the bravest thing that you will ever do you know so like mm-hmm. you talk about owning your story you talk about and i talk about this a lot too self-love isn't selfish like it's a, you have to love yourself first you have to take care of yourself first before you can give anything to anyone else you know, like, yeah. And, and people talk about when they have children, I get it. You know, you're like, I give my life to my children, but like, and I'm not trying to speak from somebody that doesn't have experience, but you need to be okay first with yourself and be able to take care of other people. You know, we get this misconception that, you know, you just give, 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 um, you know, but to be able to give, you have to have, you know, and yeah, I, 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 I love that one because self, that self-love is a, is a big part of my growth and my evolution because I had issues with self-love because for a long time, I didn't love myself. I didn't like myself. I didn't want to be in my own body. I didn't want to live the life I was living. So to be able to embrace that self-love and to look at it and say, no, it's okay to like love myself. It's okay to be quote unquote selfish, but it's not selfish. It's take care, taking care of me. It's not. There's it's not. a lot. There is a lot self-love and selfish and because I think um there is a good amount of and I don't have a negative outlook on the world but we are we are taught in a way by society that 
to love yourself and to say no or to put yourself first is bad because we Mm -hmm. are taught to always look at other people first Mm -hmm. and be the bigger person or do what's right, do what's this, do what's that. And manipulation is a thing in life, not just by people, but by the world. Self-love isn't selfish. And when I wrote this, I actually wrote it in just one sitting because I saw that and I was like, okay, we're going to write a poem real quick. And um, I realized that when I was able to start learning how to love myself, because I would say all the time, no, I love myself. I love myself. I didn't mean it. And then one day I was like, wow, I love myself. And I meant it. And I realized that I did because there were times where people would ask me to do things and I'd say no, because I didn't want to do it. And that's not selfish. I don't want to do it. That's me honoring myself. Yeah. Or when something happens that hurts you and you walk away or you stand up for yourself, it's not selfish. It's self-love to put yourself first and what matters to you. And the difference is you feel the happiness from it. Mm-hmm. selfishness is a negative feeling so yeah. it never feels good when when someone's selfish not just to the person they're selfish to but to themselves right. yeah self-love is a positive feeling so there's always something warm that comes afterwards yeah and there's nothing wrong with self-love because that's how you live a healthy life yeah so so two things the first thing is i guess sometimes the analogy that i tell people or i i told myself in the past it's literally like the airplane scenario where the oxygen mask comes down mm-hmm. Who's, you have you and you have a child you have you and you have somebody who can't do it what do you do first you put it on yourself first so that you can help somebody else you need to take care of yourself first before you can take care of somebody else because if you're not able to take care of yourself how could you expect yourself to take care of another person so you have to take care of yourself first and, and that- that's how you can separate selfish from self-love is self-love is I'm going to put it on myself because then I'm going to be able to help these people. Selfish is I'm going to put it on myself and I'm going to leave it there. Yes. Yes, exactly. And that's the difference. They might start kind of on the same thought, but they don't end there. They don't end there. And you're right. You can't love somebody else until you love yourself. You can be codependent. You can desire. You can have all these other emotions, but you truly can't love someone else until you love yourself because you don't know what love is. Yeah. And people get all those things mixed up, the codependency and, you know, you're my other half. And I, I'm, I, I don't like to say the word hate, but I despise that saying like, you're my other half or you complete me because. Oh, you're whole on your own. Yes. Well, that's the thing. I, I remember I was, you know, had a t-shirt idea about something, you know, and it was pretty much like a, a an addition problem, oh, no subtraction problem where it's like you minus me is still me. Like just because you're cut out of my life doesn't mean I should be anything less because it can happen though. If you're in a codependent relationship and someone leaves, if you codepend, if you, co- you depend on them for certain things and they're not there anymore, then you feel like part of you is missing is because you relied on them for certain things, whether it was happiness, whether it was whatever it was. And that can't be it. You have to be two holes coming together. It can't be about this. You know, you complete me. That's like a, I feel like that's a hallmark slash like movie. Everybody okay. likes to believe life can be a rom-com. Yeah. The reality is it's not. It's not. No. And it, it took my last relationship. It took me. I realized how codependent I was with um, spirituality and, and just evolving and growing. I thought that I would gain those things through osmosis just because I was mm-hmm. with the person and they were doing the work that, oh, I'm right next to her. So, you know, it's just going to come to me and I'm going to get gonna the benefit. Come in my direction. <laughs> and that was so far from the truth. And then it ended up, you know, in a bad breakup because of myself, like I am no shame in, in admitting that. Um, 
And I realized I needed to do work. Like I was in a very, you know, people can have different types of rock bottoms. I hit a spiritual rock bottom there because I thought I was, you know, growing. I thought I was, you know, evolving in my spirituality, but I wasn't. I was, I was faking the funk. I was like, you know, passing it off as if I was because my, my significant other at the time was. And yeah, so I'm, I'm very familiar with codependency. Hmm? That's the other thing with that too, is when you're, you're with somebody and you think that maybe it'll rub off on you, or maybe you're the one that's in such a, a balanced, positive mindset and you think you can fix somebody else. That's where self-love comes in again, Yeah. because self-love says like, you know what, as much as I care about you, I can't fix whatever is hurting you. I can't change you. So I need to go take care of myself. Yeah. And that's not selfish either. That's self-love. Self-love yeah. is knowing not to not to take on something that is going to take away your energy or your happiness. That that's not that it's not your responsibility to fix the world. Mm. That's self. Yeah, I I couldn't say it any better. Yeah, it was, it was that was a dark point. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. Sorry. No, no, that was just a dark point in my life. But it was like when I look back now, it was a catalyst to where I am today. You know, that was back in 2017, and I look at the the series of events that happened leading up to where I am today. And it had like, like you said, owning your story, like even clean, even years clean under my belt, I hit a rock bottom there and I needed to reevaluate how I was living my life. But seeing how everything has played out to now, it, it was, it went the way it was supposed to. And I wouldn't be, I'm grateful the way it went because it brought me to where I am today. And I did things, it set a, it just set me on a different course. I don't know what my life would have been if I stayed in that relationship or I didn't do what I did to kind of self-sabotage it. But that was necessary because now where I am today is it's where I'm supposed to be. And I look back and I'm just like, wow, like you, you your story. Yeah. You could fuck up and I fucked up, but I'm glad I did it the way I did it because I, it was right in front of my face. This is what you're doing wrong. Either change it or continue to suffer. Well, they're not mistakes. Nothing in life is a mistake. It's a lesson to be learned. Yeah. I was, yeah, I was definitely doing things and doing things because I was, I guess I was trying to bring some stuff to light, but that I didn't want to deal with. And life was like, no, now you're going to deal with it. Make a choice. Do you want to deal with it? Or you just want to continue to do the same things over and over again? I had a good amount of time until a few years ago where I always thought that my, my ability to love or my worth would be based on somebody else's ability to love me. And it took a lot to realize that like, no, like if I can love myself and I can own myself and I respect myself, then I'm good and I'll always be good. And the right people will come into your life as they come. You can't put your worth and your love and your respect and your value on someone else. No. And anybody that thinks that they have that effect on you, that's a reflection of them and not Mm -hmm. you. And, you know, I had this, I had this situation a couple of years ago where, and this person is a friend in my life and he said the most hurtful yet most honest thing to me. And he was like, you were broken when I met you. Mm. And I was like, what the hell does that mean? And he was like, you were broken when I met you. And as somebody that cares, I should have helped. I should have helped you see that. So you could learn to love yourself. Wow. And it, I never even said to this person the effect that that statement had on me. That's. And they were like, you, you need to find you. They were like, you keep running to all these places looking for home because you don't want to realize home is in you. And as hurtful as it was at the time, and don't get me wrong. I was like, wow, talk about a dagger thrown from like really, really strong. 
I, it was a moment for me where I was like, wow, like as harsh as that truth was, it was true. Yeah. So I started making all these different changes. And one of, um, and that wasn't just like for sobriety or for traveling nonstop searching for a new home. It was literally like, you're right. I haven't dealt with my trauma. I haven't dealt with my shit. And until I do that, I'm not going to love myself. And until I get to that place, I won't be able to love anybody else either. And you, and and that's not even just romantically, like you end up taking your friends for granted. Mm -hmm. You end up taking your family for granted. You end up taking every piece of your life for granted until you can figure out to be comfortable in your, your own skin. And you can't, and you know, you'll, you can do that when you can sit in a room alone and you're fine and you're happy. You can laugh at yourself. Yeah. Not to change kind of the conversation a little, but, um, there's a piece in the book. It's called my old friend. Oh, wait, 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 wait. Uh, No one can see this, but I'm going to show it to you if you can. No, you can't. (laughs) Oh, friend. Hold on. Let me go to that one that I'm like. The one about that's the one, one of the reasons why is because it's so prevalent now, not just because of the pandemic, but you talk about anxiety and depression. Mm-hmm. And I call my the old friend in the piece is my anxiety. Yeah, and it talks I, about she's always there, no matter what. She's the person in the back of the room. Yeah. And, um, that's that one, where that one, that one. as going. I've learned to love myself more. And I've I've learned all this where I am in my life right now is such a positive, happy, just beautiful space Mm -hmm. that took a lot of work and a lot of time to get here. A lot of acceptance, a lot of change. And if you know me, I'm not good with change, but I've gotten there. And that piece, I, there's actually a video to that piece. Um, like a YouTube video. I I don't know if it's uploaded still, it was up, but yeah, like, there's a, like, almost like how you see a music video for a song. It's it's oh, a video. It, like it wasn't like a on stage performance. You did it like. No, we um me and a good friend of mine. We um went and we did all these different scenes, mm. and then the background you hear the poem being said, but you watch gotcha. the storyline. Gotcha. Okay. And it's literally about, and that piece was written because so many people struggle with anxiety and depression, mm-hmm. and they feel like it, and it's true when people say that's the silent killer because we think it's, it's something bad to talk about. So many people are so afraid to talk about their anxiety. They're so afraid to talk about if they get depressed. Mm-hmm. And that's just a part of life. At some point in some time, everyone goes through at least a little bit of depression and anxiety. Mm-hmm. And we're always so ashamed to talk about it. Like in the same way people are ashamed to talk about mental illness and it's mm-hmm. not something you should be ashamed of. It's part of the world. No, it's yeah. part of who you are. And that piece was written in the sense of like, we all have anxiety and yeah. It's always there. Yeah, that it's one yeah. that affects us. Yeah, that one really, yeah, that one really hit me. Obviously, I'm not, I'm not lying. I have no reason to lie. We, me and you didn't talk about this before we got on here. I had that bookmarked. It wasn't like a, you know, it wasn't a coordinated event. But I when I read it, funny. but when I read it, you can always, you know, the words anxiety and depression are in there, but you can, you can, you can replace those with other words, mm-hmm. with, you know any type of mental illness or just anything that you feel like you're struggling with that instead of looking at it as an enemy, look at it as, you know, it's a part of you and, and you deal with it, you know, you, you embrace it and then you work through it and you, you know, on a daily basis, but it's not something that you, I don't know, try to like remove from yourself or, 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 you know, are at odds with every day. You, you embrace it because it's, it's a part of you. 
Well, it's like there's the line in it that says, um, my anxiety, no matter how hard I scrub, will never yep. wash off in the shower. Yep. It's like you can't ignore it. It's going to yeah. be there. It's just, it's part of your skin. And um, that is funny. We didn't talk about it before this, but I thought about it because you asked about are there pieces with sobriety? And that yeah. was part of like my coping was that used to calm down the nerves. That used to get me to be not anxious. Yeah. And we all have things that we do. There's some people that have rubber bands on their wrists and they just snap them all night long. That's mm -hmm. anxiety. And it's also funny when you have anxiety and you meet people and you see their habits and you're like, you have anxiety. And they're like, how'd you know? Because somebody with anxiety knows somebody with anxiety. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. I, you know, I read something, not to pull away from my book for a minute, I read something the other day that somebody posted and it basically said, giving someone anxiety because of your anxiety is a thing. Be mindful of what you do when you're anxious, which is true. A lot of people, when they get anxious, they throw their anxiety at other people looking for help, not realizing that maybe they're causing anxiety somewhere else. Yeah. They kind of just like do like a verbal diarrhea of stuff. And, and then the mm -hmm. other person that they're saying it to, they're not sure where that person is at. So then you're just, you're, you're, you're maybe sparking their anxiety or adding onto their anxiety. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. People, when they're, when they have these issues, what they hopefully want to do is sometimes, I don't, I don't want to say just like spill it out, but they want to talk to somebody. I guess you have to discern like how you say it or who you say it to. No, no your audience. If, if when anxiety becomes like a mainstream conversation, yeah. and it becomes more talked about, it's not that you shouldn't share your anxiety with other people. It's that you're more mindful of what somebody else is doing where maybe they're getting anxiety. So mm. if someone's putting their anxiety onto you and as they're talking to you, they realize that maybe you're, you're scratching your head a lot or you're looking around mm -hmm. or you're doing something where you're maneuvering your hands and it's mm -hmm. like, oh, maybe I'm affecting yeah. But a lot of people can't see that because we make anxiety a taboo topic. We make it like it's something to be ashamed of. And I think that's the part of the piece is like explaining that you and your anxiety, it's a relationship. Yeah. Just like a friendship or a romance or family. It's a relationship because there's you and then there's this little voice inside of you. And it's not something that just goes away on its own. No, and everybody has that voice. It just depends on how you how you not just deal, I don't want to say deal, because when you say you deal with it, it's like almost, I don't know, it's, it's almost as if you're saying, I, I, sometimes I have issues with that word deal. It's almost as if you, you know, you understand how to, to, I don't know, persevere through it. I don't know. Deal sometimes just has a, for me, I can't put my, my finger on the word, but it sometimes makes it seem like you just like surrender in a way, like, okay, I have to deal with this now, as opposed you to learn how to maneuver, you learn how to adjust. Yeah, yeah. And I also think that goes back to self-love though, because when you really do love yourself, your anxiety does change. So starting mm -hmm. a business, how mm -hmm. I own Chainlinks Media. Um, Shameless plug. I'm joking. I'm joking. Yeah. <laughs> no, we'll get to that. No, um, no, I'm just joking with you. No, like there was a point in me saying that it wasn't to bring up my business. It was <laughs> literally, so I had wanted, I worked as freelancing. I worked under another name for years, but to mm -hmm. really put the ingredients in to build this as an agency that was going to be mine. Mm -hmm. When my anxiety was really bad, I'd be like, well, what if I fail? Or what if people think this is a stupid idea? Or what if this, and that's your anxiety. But as I, you learn more to love yourself, it's like, you know what? This is me and I'm going to go do this. And maybe yeah. I fail, maybe I don't, but I'm going to do this and I'm yeah. going to try. Yeah. And that mindset changes as you really learn to love yourself more and you see who you are and you're okay with that. 
your anxiety will change, your vision changes, everything changes. Yeah, I completely agree. And while we we're we're going a little tangent, but I'm now that you said that it, it, it makes me relate to what I did in the past as far as, you know, starting my business and having a yoga studio, not knowing that three months later, there'd be a pandemic and, you know, pretty much, you know, having to eventually, you know, close the doors and not reopen because it just didn't seem viable. But I was scared shitless to like open a studio, you know, create an LLC because I had no idea what I was doing. But those things weren't um, obstacles that I didn't think I could overcome or get through because I was just like, let's do it. What's the worst that can happen? You know, I'm not, you know, I could fail. And I don't even look at it as a failure because a lot of the things were out of my control. But what it did do was just push me to pivot and kind of reevaluate and keep the same drive and same intensity and same passion to things, but just kind of create a different avenue for myself, you know? So yes, there was a failure. If you look at it on paper, like had a yoga studio in 2019 of December, yoga studio pretty much close to the public in March. Yeah. It looks like a failure or it looks like, you know, but, but that's a mindset too, because yeah. yeah, maybe you could look at it as a failure or you go, Hey, yo, for three months, I had a business in a yoga studio. It's all about perspective. Correct. That That is correct. Because yeah. And it was actually, it was doing, doing well for a little while, you know, I mean, and I, I, I know that if I ever want to do something like that again, I know what I need to do and I know how I want to do it. So I have that in my back pocket, you know, I have that there just in case, you know, in the future, but yeah, I, I could have stopped. I could have, I could have had self-pity and played the victim of oh, the, the pandemic. I mean, the worst thing that if the worst thing that happened to me was, you know, losing the studio, I also lost my bartending job, but those were somewhat blessing in disguise because I didn't want to be at the bar like bartending anymore. And Mm-hmm. I knew I wanted to shift. I just wasn't ready to because it was good money. Be completely honest, it was good money, but I needed something to like kind of nudge me. And we stuck in what's comfortable. Yeah, uncomfortable. Oh, yeah. Oh, I was comfortable. Not knowing where my next paycheck was going to be was very uncomfortable for me because that allowed me. The bartending job allowed me to you know have a steady income and do other things at the same time. But you know, I'm, I'm not saying the pandemic was the reason why, because it's, that sounds very selfish because it, it affected a lot of people in very tragic ways. But for me personally, in my own world, it definitely pushed me to get out of my comfort zone and kind of just tried things that I wanted to do that I was just hesitant to do before, you know? And Blessing in disguise. It's all about yeah. perspective. Everything in life is about perspective. Correct. Everything. And, yeah, and if I think about it, if I didn't close, and I stayed open, I wouldn't have done like private sessions with one-on-ones. And then I may never have met you because you came. Exactly. Right. And then we might not have been here. So if you think about the butterfly effect, like if I re if I change all that, then my current present moment might not be the same. So. And you also got to remember like, like that saying, like you're your own worst enemy that, that yeah. holds water. It does. Because a lot of times we, we are our own worst enemy, where if you're making an excuse, that's mm-hmm. why an excuse is defined the way it is, mm-hmm. because there's really, there's really nothing in life that needs an excuse. That's just you not being able to get out of your own way. Correct. Yeah. So, and that goes in any area of life, whether it's, I know we're on this self-love journey. So not to sound like really like rah, rah, mm-hmm. it's like, you don't, if you don't want to start that journey, that's your, also your choice. Your excuses Correct. are your choice there. You can change your life. You can change your circumstance. Yeah. If you health and fitness. So many people are like, I always want to try and eat better. I want to try and work out. I want to try. I want to try, but they don't get out of your way. Yeah. You want to start a business. It all comes down to perspective. And if you can just get out of your own way, your whole world can change. Yeah. You, like you said, you have a choice and a lot of 
people feel like they don't have a choice, but they have a choice in the matter. It's just like you said, they're getting in their own way and they're not widening, they're not open, not expanding their mind and they're not realizing this is what I'm doing now, but I also have this option. But you don't see that option because you're so focused on what's wrong or or staying in in you know self-pity and misery, because that can be very overwhelming. It could be consuming to to live in a life where you're angry and frustrated and sad all the time and and feel like you, you know, you're doomed. And that's another thing with the books. When you asked me earlier about like why I write and I, I was talking about the people that it affects. Mm-hmm. Um, and I did say like women and then I was like women and men because it is for both. But mm-hmm. a lot of times I have women come to me saying how inspiring my books are. But part of it isn't just the extremes to which my poetry can help. It's like, hey, like we just said, I've talked about anxiety. I've talked about not loving myself. Like I'm sober. I've talked about all these things that I've been through. Mm-hmm. But, and you can see that and you can be like, hey, but this, this woman has published a books and mm-hmm. she does have a business and she's successful. Mm-hmm. These things don't hinder her life. And it can help some people who can't get out of their way. It's like, yeah, I have anxiety, but other people do too. And they can get there. It, it kind of gives you hope that like, you'll get through this. Yeah. And then there's something brighter on the other side. Exactly. And I, I don't know what, what's going on today, but you, you literally just mentioned, you know, that this book was like, you said to help women, but also to help men. And also, you know, what I got from what you just said is you might have anxiety or depression and it's not something that you um, should look at almost as a uh, obstacle, but something that you can use to, to uh, catapult from, you know, use it's that. It's not a handicap. Exactly. It's an advantage. And that brings me to my, another poem that I looked at that you wrote about, because getting back to like the, the, the woman part where you're like, you are a queen. Oh, okay. I, love that one which but and you kind of mentioned it but you didn't say it but in here you know you're talking about everybody surviving something and mm-hmm. that can that can that is very specific to not just you writing it but to the person that's reading it because they can interpret it and say this is what I'm surviving from you know this is what I've had to deal with in my life and you can either look at yourself as a victim and not change or you can say no I this happened to me I made it through it I'm surviving this and now what am I going to do with my life Exactly. And that's, that's the whole point. It's perspective. Yeah. And everybody with that piece, you are a queen. It's, it's also for everybody is a queen or a king. There is, there is no limit or no requirement to be that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You've been through some stuff. Yeah. Maybe the hand you're dealt isn't the best. Maybe you, you have a different background, no no matter where you come from, you are what you decide you want to be. So what do you want to be? Do you want to be the victim? Do you want to be happy? Do you want to be a queen? Do you want to be a king? Do you want to be, I don't know, a princess? Yeah. But like you can be anything you want to be. Mm-hmm. And yeah. there's no limit on what you can call yourself. And I'm, yeah, and I'm sure this obviously, I mean, every every one of your poems is obviously personal, but you know, I'm sure this one had this one was a very it seems like it from when I read it, just I could feel your emotion jumping off the page as far as, as I don't know what it's referring to. And you don't have to get into that. You know, it's not something that we need to talk about, but I could just tell by reading it, you know, it was something that you probably wrestled with for a while as far as like, you know, emotions. And, with with and that one, it is like, because it starts off, we're all survivors of something. So see, so keep fighting. I heard he said he never loved you and my sweet angel find the wings God gifted you to see that it's not a reflection of you. And lower, there is a line that says love and abuse aren't meant to go hand in hand. You are a compilation of everything that is good in this world. And the point of that piece is 
so quick we go to think that when something goes wrong in life, it's our fault that we did something or I'm this person doesn't love me anymore. I must have done something wrong. Mm -hmm. um, this person took their anger out on me. I must have done something wrong. Um, this friend doesn't want to talk to me anymore because they say that I'm not the type of person they want in their life. I must have done something wrong. So quick we are to blame ourselves for other people's actions and reactions. Correct. And yeah. really that has nothing to, first of all, someone else's opinion of who you are is not your business. And that is the best thing that I have ever been told in my life. Yeah. Your opinion of me is not my business because that's your thought. And that's a reflection of you, not me. Mm -hmm. And when I wrote this, when I wrote You Are a Queen, there are personal parts of it, mm -hmm. but it was also written for someone very close to me because I I know what it's like to feel shattered. We all we all go through that at some point in life. And then you come out and you're like, no one's ever going to be able to shatter me like that again. And we put up walls and guards and we heal and yeah. then we let in again. And I remember what that was like for me. And I was watching this person close to me and it was like they were just destroyed and they had stayed with me because they didn't want to be alone for a few days. And um, they just kept kept blaming themselves. And I remember being in that boat too, where it's always, well, what did I do? It has to be my fault. And when I wrote that piece, it was kind of like so many things can happen in life and they're not your fault. Just because yeah. something bad happened to you doesn't mean that it's because of you. Mm -hmm. Just because you got hurt in some way doesn't mean you caused your pain. It's not your fault, but it, it, we're so, and I think that goes that not to keep saying these are all self-love and a lot of what I write is that journey, but it is like, it's, those are self-abusive thoughts. Those are negative words. I think it's always your fault. Mm -hmm. And if somebody makes you feel like it's always your fault, then that's their psychological abusive self because they can't own their part in something. Correct. But yeah. being like you are a queen is kind of like with the way that piece goes is yeah, this happened and it really hurts, but you will survive because you have no choice but to survive yeah. and you are a queen because when you come out the other side, you're going to be like, that didn't break me. I'm okay. And you're going to realize things that you didn't realize before. There's a lesson to learn in every piece of pain. Yeah. And, and in that moment, like possibly with your friend and her and her in that moment and other people as well, you know, when you're in it in the beginning of whatever you're dealing with, it's raw. It's you, you feel, you know, like your world is ending sometimes and you're, instinct is to sometimes blame yourself because how could it, you don't, you don't think it's anybody else's fault, but your own, you know, and mm -hmm. it's tough to, it's tough to get past sometimes that next moment. You can't, you can't play the tape until to when you get through it, because it just doesn't seem like it's going to happen. I've been through a few breakups where like, I thought my world was ending, you know, I'm like freaking like crying in the shower and stuff. Like I can admit it. Like I was heartbroken, but you get through it. And, 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 That's the, and that was the point of that piece is yeah, you get you, through it, you get through it. And if anyone says they've never had their heart broken, that's a lie. Like we have all, but the other thing is we all heal from it. Yeah. And the, the beautiful thing to realize once you can realize it's not your fault. And that's not just for someone who's had their heart broken people that break hearts, they go through pain too. I don't yeah. think anybody really wants to hurt somebody. No. It's just, it's a part of life. It's literally a part of time and life. And you just have to let the pain go through you. Yeah. If you want to cry today, you cry today. If yeah. you want to be angry and throw things, you do it. If you want to laugh and smile and not understand why you're laughing because you have all this pain inside, laugh. Yeah. Go you through just it. have yeah, to let it, it go yeah. through you. Yeah. And so many people can get caught up on trying to figure out something that you, you can't make sense of. 
there's no sense to feelings because feelings are irrational. Yeah. You just have to go through it and understand that you'll survive. Yeah. And in that piece too, with the whole a love and a love and love and abuse aren't meant to go hand in hand with the whole you are a queen is in the sense of understanding whether it be psychological, emotional, physical, no matter what type of abuse you're feeling, you were strong enough to live in that, mm -hmm. not just to get past it. it. It's just as hard to get past something as it is to live in that. So don't make yourself feel like you're a victim or you're weak. You were strong enough to survive that. Be proud of yourself that you did that. Yeah. And that's, that's what a lot of people, myself included in the past struggled with, not understanding that I was strong enough to get through something, not understanding that I was able to get through it. Because like I said, in that moment, you feel like there is, this is the end. This is what it's going to feel like for the rest of your life. You are, you're so hyper-focused on the moment, but it does get better, but you're going to have to go through some feelings, through some shit. You're going to have to go through it. And that's not fun. And that's, and, and that's painful. And even if, you know, the heartbreak that you're going through is partly your fault. Cause I'm just speaking from my personal experience. I've had my heart broken, but also I played a little bit of part in that because of what I did as far as self-sabotaging behaviors. Like I played a little bit of a part in it. And then the end result was a heartbreak. So it was like, I kind of broke my own heart by doing the things that I did, you know? Mm -hmm. And it, it was painful to, to deal with it, painful to deal with myself. But now that I look back, I'm grateful for those experiences because, you know, whatever, what doesn't build, kill you makes you stronger. That's for my heart. My heart is stronger than ever now. And even to this day, even though I've had my heart broken, I'm still not afraid to put myself out there. I will not jip myself of an experience, even if it ends in quote unquote heartbreak, because I don't want to miss out on something that can be possibly great. And I that's what a lot of people have to understand Yeah, is like, don't shut yourself off after and yeah. also realize that you you let yourself feel there mm, is no yes. weakness in that there is no shame in that you felt and it did maybe and this is not to make light of that concept yeah no, um, there is nothing there is nothing wrong with like losing love like sometimes you just things happen in life yeah. life happens and that's that's the part that people forget is relationships change, people grow and life happens. Things don't work out. And that's just a part of it. But that doesn't mean that once you get through the pain, you shut yourself off to the world. Yeah. But that's a defense um, mechanism. I, I had somebody at the same time writing this, the actual person had said to me, because they knew what I, I had gone through at one point. And they were like, you know, you're always just so open to like, if somebody new crosses your path and you're open to maybe feeling, but you're so selective. And I was like, well, I'm selective because you don't have to be with everybody that shows you attention. Mm -hmm. um, but at the same time, and there's a maturity in that, but at the same time, it's like, just because somebody once hurt me doesn't mean that every other person has to pay the price. Mm -hmm. Not everybody's going to be that person. and what we should do is look at heartbreak after we've healed from it. Cause it is a healing process and there is no limit on what a person needs to heal. Right. And there is no instruction manual on how you need to go about healing. Try to not do it toxically, but if you get a little toxic, own it and apologize later and then yeah. try not to be toxic. Yeah. Um, but, Oh, where was I going with that? Um, I lost my train of thought. About. But once, oh, once you heal, like there's an ability and understanding that 
Now you know what not to look out for. Now you know what to look out for. You know what works for you and what doesn't. You don't know what your ideal partner looks like until you've tried out a couple partners that don't match. Yeah, yeah. You've got to let life do its thing and not Mm -hmm. hold steady on these, how we said, rom-coms or like happily ever afters. It's life. And at the end of the day, we're all animals, as bad as that sounds. But it's not always going to work out with the first person you meet. Might not work out with the 10th one. Might work out on the first try. You never know. You just have to know that it's not a reflection of you. Mm -hmm. And that goes into how we were talking earlier about you don't need somebody. You want somebody, you don't need them. You need to be whole on your own because when these things don't work out, once you heal, you'll be able to be like, okay, I'm good. What's yeah. the next path of my life is going to take? And maybe yeah. that's not even down another person. Maybe you start a business. Maybe you go to another country. Maybe yeah. you do all these other things. Cause it's like, you know, I didn't get to do this while I was in this too. Mm-hmm. Everything's a lesson in life, a learning experience yeah, for in me, my opinion. Yeah. I mean, I, one of my past relationships to me, it was more about what I didn't want in a partner than what I did. You know, I learned what were non-negotiables for me, what, what I knew I wasn't going to settle on because I settled before. And that stems from people pleasing and wanting someone to love me and like me. So I felt like I had to change who I was at the core so that they would love me and like me. But what I was really doing was like, I was, I was, I was doing something that wasn't authentic to me. And eventually it comes to a head, you know, because none of that stuff, you can't run from that truth. You can't from, run from your own truth. Like you can't, you know, eventually it's going to come back to bite you or to haunt you or to mess up your life or whatever it is in some way, shape or form. So. And that's the thing, like same here. I used to, I've had relationships in the past or like I, I've dated people in the past and I, I've learned in myself that I need to be with somebody who knows how to communicate, who's a good communicator. Mm-hmm. And for a long time, I used to think that, no, I just have to accept that this is how this person communicates and I got to roll with the punches mm-hmm. until eventually you get to a point where you, it's, what is that? It's like when you do something, the universe will throw you a lesson over and over until you learn. Yeah. Oh, and yeah. then you're like, hey, you know what? <laughs> something all these people have in common is they're not really that great at communicating. So maybe yeah. I need somebody who's a good communicator. Mm-hmm. So the next time someone comes around, maybe they're a good communicator and then you see something else and that's just you learn who you want to be with by learning who you don't want to be with. Yeah. I mean, the universe is very, I sometimes say like, if you say God or higher power has a, has a sense of humor because it's going to keep showing you things that show up in your life. And then if you, if you're not going to listen, you know, it's just going to get that much harder for you, but it's, it's never going to, it's never going to negate the fact that the universe is going to keep presenting it to you and saying, are you ready to deal with this? Are you ready to deal with this? Do you want to change? And if not, it's just going to keep coming until you're like, ready to until you get to the point where you're like, I can't live like this anymore. And then you decide to change. And you know, on that piece and on what we're talking about, because I don't want anyone to think that like you have to like end up in these relationships. Part of like being a queen is also, you don't need a king to be a queen. You know, a lot of people were single, right? Well, I'm single, but like, you know, like we're single type thing, Mm -hmm. like the people, but nobody knows how to live in singleness. Mm, it's always well let me find the next person or i need to date because i'm single no you don't no why don't you be with yourself cultivate your skills learn your dreams have a goal focus on you and learn how to actually be single Mm -hmm. and be happy with it yeah because you don't need somebody else and that's the part of like you are a queen you don't need a king to be on a throne yeah and, yeah. and that's also part of what goes into those pieces is you really, 
Yeah, is it great to be with somebody? Sure. Is it great to fall in love? Yeah, we all know it is. Mm -hmm. But it's also okay to be alone. And it's also okay to want to be alone. Yeah. It's also okay to time. Yeah. People, I mean, society, people, family, constructs, whatever. Being with some, there's a lot of pressure sometimes of being with somebody, finding somebody, starting a life with somebody, you know, going from, you know, school, dating, marriage, kids, whatever. Like, you know, that there's that very much straight line, a trajectory. But for me, when I had my last breakup in 2017, for like the first, I always say this, like, and you know, people ask me, how long have you been single? For the first like two years, it was a choice to be single because I knew if I jumped back into a relationship, it was just gonna, I was just gonna stop focusing on me and then focusing on us. And I was gonna take the attention away from me. And I needed to be super, in a way, not selfish, but you know, I needed to address my issues. I need, I had stuff I needed to, to, to work on because I wouldn't be able to get into a healthy relationship if I did, if I didn't work on it. And it was by choice. I mean, obviously after that, a little bit of that time was by circumstance because, you know, where we live is a little bit, you know, I don't want to say in the woods, but it's, you know, you're not, we're not in a major city by any means. So yeah. it's a little bit, you know, but, you know, not focusing on that I need somebody and or even want just like focusing on doing the next right thing and living my life and putting myself out there. The person that if they're supposed to come into your life will come into your life some way, shape or form. And that's yeah. what's important to remember. Yeah. And like what you said earlier, like going to school, going to college, getting a job, kids, all that. That's great for some yes, people. Yes, yes, 100%. Not everybody's life goes down exactly. that path. And same on my end. Um, I really, I, I've been in my singleness and this is not just self-love. It's a little selfish, but. Well, it's okay to be a little selfish. Okay. I, for probably like a year and a half now, mm -hmm. I've just been focused on me in the sense of, I haven't had a serious relationship probably in a little bit, a little longer than that, but I haven't even really been dating that much. Are there people that have come across my path? Yeah. And are there people that I've been interested in? But I, yeah, there are, but I've, I've taken the time to work on myself, like mm -hmm. you said, and really make sure that I am the best version of me so that I can open that door. Yeah. And now like the door is whatever the door is, you know? So mm -hmm. if someone were to come across my life right now or someone were to come in and say, Hey, like, I like you, blah, blah, blah. I'd be open to that. Mm -hmm. But it, it was until probably like a month ago, did I realize that like, now I'm ready mm -hmm. because I spent a good, about a year and a half, literally just like focused on May because May needs to do for May because my relationship with myself is more important than my relationship with anybody else. Yeah have to get through that in order to understand. Yeah. And, and a lot of people like myself included in the past, don't think that way. And they jump into things and they, they get outside themselves and they, it just ends up either resulting in them hurting themselves or hurting another person. Mm -hmm. And that cycle continues until you actually understand what the root cause is. And it's, it's your fault, but in a way that just, you're not addressing what you need to address by just, you know, putting your focus and putting your everything on, you know, finding somebody or having a relationship or being within a relationship because you feel like you need to be with somebody. Well, at the same time, I think when you put a lot of energy in trying to find somebody, you're not going to find oh, no. people. No, no. And come to you. No. And it'll come when you're ready. And if it comes before you're ready, then maybe it wasn't meant for you. Yeah. I had, I had a little bit in the past, I had a little stint with, you know, doing some of the online dating stuff. And I always went back and forth with it. I was like, let me try it. Let me not, let me do it. You know, it was always like this, like love type hate relationship, but a lot of it's like very forced. It feels very forced. Mm -hmm. And 
it, I, I, there was a few times where I had a few connections and it just it ended, didn't, not that it didn't end well, it just ended because we weren't compatible. And it, there was so many things that were just red flags. And it was because I was like forcing, yeah. it. I was like, I want to find somebody. I want to find somebody. And it's like, no, like pump the brakes, Kyle, like keep doing what you're doing. Keep putting yourself out there because one thing, and then you can, I, you want to say something, but people talk about this manifesting, manifesting, which I understand. But for me, I had to switch it from manifesting because you're trying to manifest something like you're trying to create something. I don't know, but for me, it's radiating. Like, so what I started to do was radiate, you know, my love, radiate my passions, my desires, all these things. And when you radiate it out into the universe, what you radiate will come back to you because it'll be attracted to you, whatever that is, whether it's job, you know, school, people, and just not even loved ones, just people in general, but it could be a, a possible relationship, but it'll find you. But you have to- Well, in all honesty, somebody who hustles and like is, is working on themselves and radiating, that is highly attractive to anybody. Yes. yeah. Yeah. And that, that it, that's a great way to put it, radiating, like radiate yeah. your energy to be like, I'm open. I'm yeah. open to you entering my space, but I'm not going to come find you, but I'm open to it and it'll come to you. Yeah. I could never get with the online dating and the aspect of, I need a person. Yeah. I, I need to see you. I need to speak to you. Yeah, like yeah. I, I can't swipe. I, it doesn't work for me. It works for some people. There are some people close in my life that have found each other that way. Mm -hmm. And they are the happiest people I've met. Oh, yeah. And I'm just, like it works for some people like great yeah um but i i'm in the i agree i think you should radiate your energy you should focus on you you should do for you and what you attract what you attract comes from your energy so what's right will come yeah and i can't take full credit for that that um that uh concept i think it was and i don't want to get it wrong i think it was a guy named michael beckwith i think it was it might have been him or it might have been somebody else that said that so the whole manifesting radiating it's not completely my idea but to be honest, no idea is original. You know, everybody has these ideas. Sometimes they come to people faster than others or, but yeah, I, I just a side note, you know, I didn't come up with that. I can't take credit for, for that. And, but when, but when that person said it, I, it totally made sense, you know, totally made sense coming from them. And that was another thing that I spoke to a friend about, and, and I can get your opinion on it too, is that you can hear a message, hear something so many times in your life, but then if somebody else says it, if it comes from a different mouth or a different messenger, it clicks because I've mm -hmm. heard certain things like that for a long time and it didn't click. And then someone else said it. And I was like, oh, now I get it because for so long, I just, it didn't click. And then when he said it, I was like, that makes total sense. I completely agree with it. Cause like for a while I was trying to manifest manifestation is like a very big buzzword in the spiritual community or in general nowadays. I think that like, I agree with that statement. Cause have you ever had those, those conversations where you talk about a topic with like, say four different friends and they all tell you the same thing. And you're just yeah. like, yeah, yeah. And then somebody else that you don't expect it from says it. And you're like, oh, I get it now. Yeah, yeah. And then you say that to somebody who already told you and they're like, uh, I told you that. And it's like, yeah, but I expected you to say it. I didn't expect this person to exactly, say it. Exactly. Exactly. So when someone else says it coming from wherever they're coming from, you're like, Wow, it just hits you differently. It's just, it's interesting. It it's very interesting. It's also tone and words, like how yeah. people approach things, the mindset you're in when you hear it. Yeah, it's it's the it's literally the universe. It's literally divine timing. If you believe in it, it's 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 probably like all of these different aspects and factors and everything kind of making the perfect storm in that moment that it just hits you. And like you said earlier about something else, you can't explain it. It's just the way that it is and the way it's supposed to be because that's how life is happening for you, and you can't you know, you can't try to manipulate it. It's just the way it is. Exactly. And people need to start embracing that. 
to the point where not that you let life just happen and you sit back as an innocent bystander and don't take control of your life um, as far as what you can do, but understanding that life happens and you kind of just have to like, you gotta roll with it, ride the wave. Yeah. See what's coming at you and and adapt and move forward, adapt and survive, keep moving forward. Like you can't it's just like, instead of the whole, and I'm sure you've seen this before. Why is this happening to me? You, you oh, yeah. go, can I learn from this? Or if something leaves your life, instead of getting upset about it, be like, all right, maybe that wasn't meant for me. Let me go in this direction. Or when something comes into your life that you didn't expect, you're like, wow, I didn't see that coming, but this feels like it fits. Yeah. And you just, you got to learn. And that goes into control earlier, how we were talking about learning mm -hmm. how to let go of controlling things. When people, when you can accept that you have no control over really anything, <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> then your life will start to fall in place the way it's supposed to go. That doesn't mean you don't have to put work in. You no. still have to put the work yeah. in, but your life will manifest manifest yeah. in the way that it's supposed to. It's and freeing. what works for you. Yeah, it's very freeing because once you let go of that control, you put a lot of energy into that. You you know, you you invest a lot of energy in your time and your mental space to like controlling things that you can't control. Mm -hmm. And once you let go of that, it allows you to dedicate that energy to so many more things. Like you said, putting in the work, you know, we can't just sit back and let life happen and it's, everything's going to fall into place. If that was the case, then everybody would be super successful from today on because they wouldn't have to do any of the work. It and the other thing to remember is like, your path isn't the other person's path. Mm -hmm. Everybody is unique. And um, that kind of goes into the whole, like, maybe you go to school, like get married, have a yeah. family, maybe you don't. And like yeah. that, that's right for some people. And maybe it's not for others. We all have a way that we need to live for us mm -hmm. or down to like poetry, how some people can say to me, but how can you publish poems that are so honest and vulnerable? And it's like, well, this life is the life that I like. This life works for me. Maybe mm -hmm. it doesn't work for you. It works for me. And we all live a path that's our own uniquely to us. Yeah, because and being able to own that and love that brings the people into your life that walk in that same direction. Yeah, because find quote unquote your tribe. Yeah, a hundred. Yeah, you will definitely attract your tribe because some people it's an easy it's easy concept, I guess, but sometimes difficult for, to people to understand. But you're the only person that can live your own life. It's like literally like physically impossible for someone else to live someone else's life. But it's sometimes hard for people to internalize that and actually put it into action because they're so worried about, you know, what their friends will say, what society will say, what their family will say, that they're not living the life authentic to them. And that can cause so many issues and, and problems down the line because they just aren't walking in the path that they want to walk in. It's, it's, and once they do, you find your tribe. Like, I firmly believe that the people in my life now, including you, are the people that are a part of my tribe, people that like think the same way, have, have the same values. And we, we run the same wavelength about so many things. And that's, and that's just how it is, but people have to trust that it comes down to trust. People don't trust that. Trust that. And they need to trust themselves. Correct. Yeah. Because trusting in yourself to be able to just, you know, walk your path and, and, and whatever you do will work out even if you come across some failures, it will work out if you trust yourself and you trust your heart and you listen to your heart and your gut and your instincts and not always listen to the thing between your ears because that will just like create fear. It'll create hesitation. It'll keep you And stuck. the thing with, with trust is like back to when you asked me why I write the way I write and there's, 
it's on my website. It's on some of my posts. Sometimes it's in my books. There's this concept I go about that goes, people ask how I can be so honest. And it's because I don't write my story for me. I've already lived it. I write so the person in the back of the room knows they aren't alone. I see you too. Uh, yeah, man. And with, that, with that is also one, I write for everybody else. And that's the truth. I don't, I don't publish or write for me. I have journals that I can rely on. But at the same time, it builds trust because people end up trusting me because they're like, wow, she's honest or like she's not afraid to help people or to speak about certain things. That's somebody I think I can trust. That's somebody I think I could lean towards and she's got my back. And that's the truth. And that's always who I've been. But being honest and open and raw with people, it makes people realize like, wow, she's not wearing a mask. Like what you see is what you get with May Mm -hmm. and I can trust her. And then, and that then could it kind be of gets past that whole concept of small talk and does this person fit my life? Do they oh, not yeah. want to be friends? It's like, all right, either she's here or she's not. And oh, that's yeah. what Yeah, not a fan of small talk. It's, it's yeah, I don't have time for it. I'm sure you don't have time for it either. You know, we, you, you want to get down to the nitty gritty. You want to like dig deep. And, and that's, how you find, oh, yeah. that's how you find your people, you know? Small talk is a waste of time. I mean, yeah, I get it. Sometimes it's a necessary evil in some I don't know, conversations or interactions, but yeah, when you're getting to like the people that you want in your inner circle and your atmosphere, you know, there, there needs to be more than the, that surface level of how's the weather, you know, because it needs to be real. Yeah. And real, real and authentic is something that can be lacking. A lot of people fall into superficial friendships, superficial relationships. Mm-hmm. It's easy to live on the surface. Yeah. It's harder to dive underneath and try and swim. Oh. Wow. Those little poet words right there. For real, that's, that's, we could end it on that. But before we do, I do this with all of my guests and I'm, I, this wasn't pre-planned. I mean, I didn't tell you about this before. So your answer is going to be authentic and it's going to be honest. Oh, good. But no, it's nothing. It's you're, you're thinking too much. Don't worry. But I'm, I ask everybody at the end of the podcast, what are you grateful for today? It could be today. It could be yesterday. It could be this week. And I try to ask the guests to not say, something that's cliche, you know, something that's like really personal. I don't know if, if, if you're able to, or something that's like, it doesn't have to be big or small, just something that, you know, kind of hit you and you had kind of had a moment of reflection. You're like, wow, like I'm really grateful for this. Um, I have an answer, but let me see how I put it into words. Okay. Um, and if it comes out slightly cliche, it's really not meant to, but the life that I live right now is what I'm grateful for mm-hmm. because I made so many changes in the last couple of years. And I don't mean just like, Oh, I live in this place or, Oh, I'm happy. I mean, shedding old skin. I have lost so many friends I have lost and I've gained new ones. Mm-hmm. Just people you outgrow. And my relationship with my family is beautiful and amazing. And I'm not afraid to be open with anybody. And I've had the strength to start my business. Like I've conquered all of my demons and my mm-hmm. personal traumas that I actually currently live a lifestyle that I never thought I could get to. And I'm grateful for it because I also put in the work to get here. Mm-hmm. And I know sometimes it, it steers people away. Like, how can you talk about that? Or how can you act the way that you do. And in my head, I've gotten to such a place that the outside world doesn't affect anything that goes on here or internally. And I never thought I would get there either. 
Because if you know me, you know I'm a chronic overthinker, or I used to be, mm-hmm. or I would always never want to do something that could cause somebody else harm or embarrassment or shame. And yeah. now I just, the way my life is, I'm really grateful for the direction that it's gone and where I'm at, losses and gains, mm-hmm. relationships, misalignments, all of it. Even on the stressful days where yeah. I'm just like, rah, I'm like, I sit down at the end of the day and I'm like, you know, it's a good day. Yeah. Had a good day. Yeah. I I think that's what I'm grateful for is there isn't one specific element of it, just how all the pieces have fallen and mm-hmm. what I see still being capable for me now that I never thought we always have a dream, but sometimes we think we can't attain that dream. Like it's often fantasy land. Yeah. I've reached a place where I think I can have everything that I want. And I'm grateful for that. Well, and good. it's not selfish. No, it's self-love. No, self-love. So I, I was, and I was listening to that. Obviously I was listening that to listen, not to respond, because obviously if I'm asking you that question, I need to ask myself that question, you know? And a lot of times when people ask questions, sometimes they ask questions just so they can respond. But I practiced a lot to, I learned a lot to, when you ask a question, listen, like ask it to listen, not ask it to respond. So if I was asking myself that question today, and I have already today at some point too, but, and I was thinking about this earlier today, I thought that in some areas of my life, I was, you know, extremely open and extremely uh, vulnerable to certain things. And I also thought that I was, you know, allowing myself to invest in myself. But there are certain instances in the past few days, in the past week or so, where people in my life have shined a light on certain things where I was like, wow, like I really wasn't as open as I was before. I mean, I really wasn't as open as I thought. I really wasn't doing this. So they almost cracked me open and made me realize that, you know, I needed to be more open and be more vulnerable and invest more in myself and start doing more things for myself. And just the simple fact that I was able to be aware of it one, but also take it as constructive criticism for myself and then start actually um, acting on it was very, I'm grateful for that because in my past, I would have looked at it and been like, no, you're good. Like you're doing the right, like you're doing the good things. You're doing what you're supposed to do. But I just, I really wasn't from an outside perspective. There were certain things that I was lacking and they shined a light on it. So I'm grateful for them, but I'm also grateful that I was able to look at myself and be construct, like um, give myself, criticize myself, you know, or, or, or let myself know that I needed to do more work. Like I, I thought I had it covered in both those areas. I was like, yeah, you're good. But I, fu- I wasn't fully practicing what I preached and people shined a light on that. And I realized that I can go further. And I started taking those steps to go further. And for that, I'm extremely grateful because I don't want to stay stuck. And maybe I was a little bit more stuck than I, I, maybe I was stuck and I didn't even know it. You know, maybe I was, you know, not fully doing what I could have been doing to my fullest ability. And it took some people in my life to be like, yeah, you could do better. You know, you can, you can. It's important to have friends like that. Yeah. It's important to have people like that that are like, no, you're good, but you could do better. Or, okay, I understand you're upset at what you did, but like you did it. Like it's important to have honest people. Yeah. And with what you said about um, how you listen, uh, a friend of mine, his name's Kovu. He used to always say, he says it to everybody and it's listen with the intent to understand and not respond. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's and what now I say it to people, but I can't own it. He said it first. That's his. Um, and I say it to people all the time. And it's true. You need to listen to someone to understand what they're saying and not to just respond or react. That way you can absorb what's happening. Yeah. I, I have the same thing in life where 
somebody even said something to me the other day and I was like, okay, well, that doesn't work for me. And like being able to get to a place where you're okay with making a decision that maybe you don't want to make, but it's for what's best for you. Mm-hmm. And then turning around and talking to somebody else about it. And they were like, so go write down what amazing is and then read it to yourself and do that and stop trying not to. And I was like, that was some honesty right there. You're saying like, yeah, you're great, May, but you're not at the amazing spot you want to be at. So go rewrite it and remind yourself. It's important to have people like that. Yeah, it is. I've, I've, I have I, yeah, like I'm starting to surround myself with those type of people. And I learned the whole, like, listen, uh, ask, listen to understand when I used to go to meetings back in the day, you know, I would do people have their hands raised and they're not listening to the people sharing instead. They're thinking about what they're going to talk about. But when you think about it, you may miss the miracle. You may miss the message. So I learned that mm-hmm. at a, a long time ago. I mean, sometimes I, I, I fall off, obviously I have my moments, but yeah, I'm always trying to ask a question and listen to it instead of asking it and waiting for my response. But as far as the, yeah, the, you need people in your life that are honest because yeah, I want that. It doesn't mean that you, they have to say like, oh, whatever you're doing is shit and like you, you suck. They're like, no, you can do better because they see the potential in you. They see the greatness in you. And I like having people that like that around me, knowing where I am and knowing where they know I could be. Cause sometimes, you know, I, there's, there's moments where I, I and, you know, I, I waver in my, in my, faith and, and my, my, uh, believing in myself. Sometimes you just need somebody to give you that little, uh, nudge, you know? Oh, I completely agree. And I to completely. have those people is, is, is to have those people is, it's a blessing. And the reason you have those people is because you attract those people because of what you're putting mm-hmm. out there. So I think you. it's a beautiful yeah. thing. Yeah. So this was awesome. I, I really appreciate you, uh, taking the time out now. I don't know if, we're we're at the shameless plug part of this conversation. So if there's anything that you want to tell the listeners, I don't know about the book or about your company. I mean, you can go for it. If not, you just want to like, you know, say a few words, but this is the part of the episode where I give the floor to you. And if you want to, it's up to you. I don't know. Well, um, book wise, there are copies of conversations with my mother and beautifully redeemed available. Okay. Um, West Street is currently sold out. Where I don't can they know find these books? Oh, you can find them on <laughs> IamSimplyMay.com. Um, or you can find them by following my Instagram Ooh. at underscore simply.may underscore. Ooh. And then they're there. <laughs> um, and then these will be Conversations with My Mother is the last book in the three book installment. Okay. Now I'm taking a break from books for a little bit because... As somebody very well put it the other day, they said, well, you got to go write the new story. So now I got to go live the next one mm, and keep that like going. That. Doesn't mean I'm not writing. I'm always writing. Okay. Um, and I'm always bouncing things off of people in my life. Like, how does mm. this sound? How does that sound? And then also I am taking some time to focus more on my business. Mm-hmm. It's been doing really good. Okay. So I will throw that one in there. Go for it. Um, I am the founder of Chain Links Media which is chain links, L-Y-N-X, like an animal media, in case you want to look me up. Um, and we are a branding design marketing agency. Okay. And that is my bread and butter. That is my little baby. Okay. Um, we do have partnerships with people in the community and we do work with a lot of people in the community. And yeah, so chain links media is all me. So if you ever hear about that, 
that's my business. If you need somebody to build your website, logos, all that fun stuff, that's me. Brand you, that's me. Remember, branding is your story. Um, but yeah, no, that's my shameless plug for you. No, I wanted you to get that in there just for the listeners in case, you know, they want to learn more about you on their own. They can they can do their research and, and, and find out and then maybe they'll reach out to you. I'm always trying to, one of my things is, um, teamwork makes the dream work obviously but everybody can eat at the table like this isn't a me versus you not literally me versus you but there's room at the table for all of us and we should all lift each other up so that's why i want to have you on today too because i feel like your voice needs to be heard more than maybe it was and i don't know exposing you to people in my circle and then maybe exposing me to people in your circle it's just it's a win-win it's just getting ourselves out there and and allowing our voices to to possibly help people just like in your poetry so you know we can all win hundred percent. And once you have that, once you have that mindset, you take the bitterness, you take the resentment, you take the envy and jealousy out of the equation. You know, you know, that concept of like, it takes a village. It's not just about raising a kid. It takes a village. You can grow by growing other people. Exactly. Exactly. So it's all about community. Exactly. But this was awesome. We'll have to do it again sometimes. And and maybe we'll do like one podcast strictly on your, uh, on chain links. Ooh, that'd be exciting. Yeah. So but I'm, I really appreciate you taking out the time. I enjoy it. Well, thank you for having me. Yeah, for sure. And, Even uh, if I guilted you a little bit. No, it's all good. I mean, sometimes you need that guilt nudge. I mean, it's it's very much ingrained in me coming from a Jewish household, you know, that Jewish guilt. So I really was just kidding when I, I know, said it. I know. And but I was like, oh my God, now he wants me on. Yeah, Whoa, man. <laughs> you were kidding. But then I was like, but why? Then I was thinking in my head, I was like, but why didn't I have her on? Like, why did I even forget about her? She's awesome. And she has an awesome story. And we've had conversations where having you on would be amazing, but I just slipped my mind, but you were right in front of me. And I was like, oh yes, obviously may duh. So (laughs) it's all good. It's all good. We got here. So we're here. We're doing big things together. Okay. Well you have a good one. And and once again, thank you for this. Thank you. Enjoy Uh, the rest of your day. You too. Bye. I want to thank each and every one of you for showing up today, for dedicating your time, space, and energy to this podcast. I am always extremely grateful and thankful to each and every one of you. And at the same time, don't forget to thank yourself for allowing yourself to be here today, to show up for yourself today, providing yourself the time to do something that you wanted to do. As always, don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast so that you can be notified when a new episode comes out. And if you ever want to get in touch with me, provide me some feedback, have a conversation, you are more than welcome to. You can email me at kylethegrateful at gmail.com. You can go to my Instagram and DM me, kylethegrateful. Or if you just want to check out my website, see some of the recipes, some blog posts, the address is www.kylethegrateful.com. Have an amazing day, everybody. Have an amazing night. And always remember to be grateful, no matter what. Talk to you soon.